become family. Welcome to another episode of my favorite and your favorite podcast, The Reformed Hooligans. I am your host, Osahan, and I'm here with one suspect today. We're down one man. We're playing in soccer terms uh, with 10 men on this, but that's okay. We're going to make it happen. I got Brian here with me. Brian, how you doing today, man? Oh, good. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's glad. I'm, this, was literal, this is literally the high point of my day. So wonderful. You, you and me both, brother. This is the, uh, the finish line of my day. I'm just trying to make it to the 90th minute and through stoppage time. So here we are. Here yeah. we are. A lot to talk about, though. Dude, there is a lot. This, um, I, I, I know on the last episode, we had alluded a little bit to, you know, possible transfer scenarios and all of that. But I didn't think between then and now that we would get some of the news that we've gotten. But before we get to that, I'm still on the countdown. We are T minus, at the time of this recording, T minus six days from the uh, the restart of the Premiership, the Premier League, and also the restart of the Copa Italia. So we have some 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 action coming along. I mean, we've had action. We've had some good action this week too. The, a little bit. Some great action in the Bundesliga. I'll be honest. I thought the Bundesliga upon restart was going to be a little flat, but it's live. It's it's exceeded my expectations by far. And there's been some some definitely interesting turns. Uh, you know, a match this week between uh, Leverkusen and and Munich, and on the one hand, you have uh, Wurtz, that I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, becomes the youngest goal scorer in Bundesliga history, um, scores a gem of a goal, a gem of a chip. The game was already out of reach. It was already, uh, Munich was already up 4-1. Um, Thomas Mueller, you know, gets his 20th assist of the season. Um, at this point, he's just, he, he, he's playing easy street. He's but, had a uh, renaissance this year. Yeah, he was, he was the, the guy that, he was going to see his way out too. Yeah, that, that he was on the chopping block. I what what he reminded me of was um gosh, what World Cup was that? Whatever the last World Cup was that Closa played in. And going into that World Cup, everybody oh, had already counted close yeah. yeah, everyone had already counted Closa out and he just came out of nowhere and, you know, turned back the clock. Mueller's done the same thing and it's Oh, been- I got a cool little graphic here. So Yes. 26 games for Thomas Mueller under Flick, nine goals, 17 assists. So he's wow. pretty much putting up a goal or an assist every game since uh, Flick took over. He's 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 where he needs to be with the right man that he needs to be with. Uh, yeah. What what is what have been your uh, your thoughts watching uh, this last round of matches from the Bundesliga and and what we're looking to see toward for the the finish of that season. I mean, Munich have a goal differential plus 60. That's just absurd. Like, that's just laughable. I mean, if they lost that Dortmund game, this is a whole different conversation, though. And this was right. something I wrote on a column that will be up on the SSAW website um, with Munich. If they had lost even one of the games right now, if they had lost the Dortmund game, it would be 67-66. And then if Leipzig just put away Paderborn, it would be 62. Dude. It would be a three-team race right now. Well, we got robbed of that because, I mean, I think the restart kind of like threw teams off for a loop. I mean, the young teams, like, yes. I mean, Wolfsburg looks pretty good because they're a veteran squad, but like, right. I mean, but look at Schalke. Schalke's on up and down, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. The the younger teams, I think we said this maybe. I mean, Verda Bremen, they're a young team. They're struggling. They're, it's not, I think you said it actually uh, in our group yesterday that Verder screwed. I mean, usually they're like a seventh, eighth, ninth place team at worst. I mean, remember, yeah. they were in the Champions League at one point, like competitively, because Diego oh. carried them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, yeah. they've fallen off completely. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim tried with Dusseldorf too, by the way, which is not a good result either for them. So, random question: Should uh, should Bobby Firmino go back to Hoffenheim? I I don't think he has to go back to Hoffenheim. I think there's better options than that. What do you I think, think there'll be go? better options. I actually think for Firmino, maybe going to Spain is not a bad move. Hmm. I mean, Atletico Madrid may not be a bad move. Mm. Because well, here's the thing: yeah, they just need, he's, he could be a true number nine. Yeah, he's he not a true number nine. He needs to take the next step of their evolution and become more of a target man. Because I think he can do a lot of the things they wanted Murata to do. He can do all the playmaking stuff they wanted Murata to do that Murata was not willing to do. That Griezmann did too, coming all the way up. I mean, if you give Joel Felix or like. Depending on what they do with Angel Correa, like if you just set those guys up, they could score goals themselves. But you got to give them the opportunity to score goals. True. Well, that would be the logic. I mean, they were able to score goals when they had Griezmann and Coca. They had Coca and freaking like Saul scoring goals like a couple of years ago, like at will from like Griezmann crosses and stuff. They they were able to figure it out. It's just Simeone gets so used to going up one nothing, two nothing, and all of a sudden going, oh, we're done. Parking the bus, yeah, just parking it. <clears throat> yeah, like Jose Mourinho style over here, you know, like there's more to it than just, you know, like I mean you can win the game, sure, but you also want to put on a show. That and that's that's the thing. Like we don't we get it. You could win one nothing, two nothing, and I think that's the for example, the knock against that uh that Arsenal Invincibles team from the early two thousands was you know they it, i think the the numbers show if they if if they scored no goals after the 80th minute not the 80th i'm sorry the 60th minute so if the game's tied going into the 60th minute they're not scoring if it's it's tied nil nil they had a ridiculous amount of draws that that season and at this stage in the game and where uh the, the game of soccer is going fans really want to show and we have i mean the most athletic bunch of um talent in the history of the game why not put on a show why, why, why play it ultra safe? That's why I think honestly, Simeone needs to go and let that team be able to spread its wings and fly. And I think throwing in, like you said, Bobby Firmino in that mix, you have him and uh, Joao Felix, you know, running off the wings, um, and Bobby Firmino being the hitman. Uh, I could see, I could see some magic happening over there. Very predictable move by Atletico Madrid, though. By the way. <laughs> to go get a freaking striker that's almost on the way out of his prime. Like, that's just a perfect Atletico Madrid. It's, it's Atletico 101, right? Yeah. Right. But I, I I know we digressed a little bit from the Bundesliga. Uh, looking down the line, I mean, we, essentially, it's it's a wrap. Munich has this thing wrapped up uh, and in the bag. But some interesting news uh, for the next runner-up, Dortmund. Um, what what do you see as being Dortmund's future going into uh, to next season? Because this season's it's, it's I mean Hakimi, I mean Hakimi. If they keep him long term, that would be a dream at this point. 
Because, I mean, last year they were going to lose Guerrero, and then they kept Guerrero, and then you never right. know what's going to happen. So, like, it feels like this is the year Guerrero leaves, right? I mean, what are his right. options at this point? There might be a lot of options for some of the mid-table teams in England. Like, if Leicester loses right. Ben Chilwell, you don't think he's going to want to go, hey, Ricardo Pereira, I play with you on Team Portugal. Let's be teammates again. Like, that's such a predictable move. And you know Leicester will pony up, like, 35 $40 million to get Guerrero, and that'll happen. Easily. Yep. Easily. I mean, plus, Ricardo Pereira is damn good. Put him with Rafael Guerrero, and they're pretty damn good. I saw him play a Euro. <laughs> like, it was nuts. Like, they're a, good, they're a good duo. And keep in mind, like, Cedric Suarez is, like, on the bench because those two are that good. That's and nasty. If he was healthy, and if he's healthy, Cedric Suarez is more than worthy to start for most national teams. Yeah, that's nasty. That's 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 a good look. That's a good look. So, so Dortmund... Dortmund could have some movement going on. I think, like you said, keeping Akimi would be good. Um, yeah, some, I mean, Hummels and Akanji at the defensive group. I mean, Piazic is getting up there in age. He's been there forever. So they got to figure yeah. out, like, they're, they're as vulnerable at left and right back right now as basically anybody, like, as anybody of the power teams. I mean, right. DeHoud, DeHoud is someone they're not sold on. Gertz is on the way out. Um, they got to figure out, I mean, they got to figure out what the health is with Thomas Delaney because that's another serious injury, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. but then again, Nico Schultz, is he's going to be a defensive midfielder? Or is he going to play right back? Or is he going to play left back? Is he going to play center back? I mean, Emery Chan's a great addition, by the way. Yes. He, I mean, he showed that. He showed that in the, the last match. Yeah. Uh, putting in the, the goal for the 1 0 win. So yeah, I think they're good in the midfield, though. I mean, looking at, we were just talking about this report earlier. Um, report coming out that Manchester United is ready to invest 340 million into their future. But the reason why that's critical for this conversation is they want to build around Jaden Sancho. And reports are coming out that Dortmund wants to invest, or no, I'm sorry, not invest, but Jude Bellingham has chosen Dortmund as his next landing spot. So oh. the potential there is you have a Jude Bellingham going to Dortmund. Axel Witzel is, would still be there. Delaney's still there, like we talked about. Um, I think you had mentioned it that the uh, their lineup switch just switched them to a, a four three three. Um, my thought is you could have you have a deep lying mid, um, but I mean, dude, looking at what they could potentially have just coming out of the middle, um, a Witzel, you got a Kanji, um, Hummels, um, you throw Bellingham into that mix, and they still have. Hazard, Gio Reyna, um, God, who else? There's, I mean, it's a stack. I mean, they have like two or three guys that can play that number ten role because Julian Brand's pretty good too. There you go, Julian Brand. That's the the name I was forgetting. So from the middle to the front, like they are stacked. It's just a matter of them shoring up that back line. Yeah, I mean, if you sell Sancho for one hundred and twenty million, for example, right? Right. You better go call Ajax and say, all right, 40 mil for Onana? Because you can't go into next year with Rex Berkey as your goal. You can't go in with Roman Berkey as your goal next year. Can't you happen. Absolutely cannot. If you want to really put a freaking title chase, because you can't go. Like, there are people that think Peter Galacci is better than Berkey. How is that even fathomable? I love Peter Galacci. How is that even fathomable? Three years ago, nobody knew who Peter Galacci was. <sighs> Like Stephen A. Smith says, stay off the weed. I mean, no, but it's a fair statement because, I mean, Galachi's been better this year than Berkey, though. 
But I mean, that's we're talking about a one-year snapshot. But I, I still believe, as much as it pains me to say it, like, if Onana... I mean, Dean, Henderson, Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson and Man United. That, listen, I... Because Man United would be better off selling Henderson foreign because they can't deal with him at Chef. You, you're not that's wrong. <laughs> you, you're not wrong in regards to that. Maybe Inter Milan takes him as a backup to Handanovic. And maybe they do the switch. No, no. If De Gea didn't sign his contract, that no, would be no. a switch. Exactly. It'd, it'd be good to go. But speaking of speaking of United, because you let's backtrack because I just threw a number out. Well, you did the Sancho deal, right? So let's say yeah. the deal goes to 120 million, which is what the German assets are saying that Borussia Dortmund wants, right? So let's say United pays from a Dortmund point of view. You have to also prepare yourself for a Holland deal nine months later, right? So yes. you, this yeah. is also something you have to prepare for. They're going to have $270 million coming through, assuming that, like, you can probably get Guerrero out of there, too. It might be better just to sell and get new left and right back. Maybe Nico plays right back. 40 or 50? 40 or 50 for Guerrero? I mean, you might be able to get 35 or 40. Okay. You should. I mean, he's 27. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a team in Paris that could use him for a skill. I'm sure Leicester could use him because Leicester's going to get quite a sum for Chilwell. Mm-hmm. Um, never mind if Ndidi goes too because, you know, midfielders like him don't just grow on trees. So there's a whole different perspective there. But I think for United, $120 million for Sancho, at least you're getting a star, right? So now you go with Rashford, you go with... Um, Rashford at the striker, Martial on the left, Daniel James as kind of like the center guy, and then you have on the right side, Sancho. idealistically, yeah, you have Sancho. So that's kind of how you're going. So that means that Daniel James is going to become more of a natural number 10. I don't know if I like that. I kind of like him better on the wing. I like him out wide. Yeah, I like him out wide. Uh but maybe Martial makes an adjustment and becomes like a second striker. Maybe they go back to a natural 4-4-2 because, I mean, it screams that Ollie wants to go back to that. Yeah, those, and I mean, those were the, the glory days of United. I think Martial yeah, could work as a second striker. He can work that as a the whole deep line. Yeah, he can more act as more of a, a deep-lying striker, even looking at some of their formation tweaks that they made. Uh, even with a goal. season. Though running a um yeah a julian agallo which who recently got extended through the end of next year um on his loan deal they ran a at one point a i think it was a three it was like a it was a modified three five two but what they ran out on the wings was they had a brandon williams um out wide kind of playing in between uh the middle and and the, the back line was that when they had McTominay playing very far back, almost like yeah, he was back? I like yeah. that. Yeah, like it, that. it was a good look because you it gave Williams room to do what Williams does, and I think almost like a diamond, almost. A yeah, and he could be such a stud. I think Brandon Williams, if he stays healthy, um, Aaron Juan Basaka was was playing out wide as well and just flying up and down role. that wing. That's the perfect role for him. Yeah, I didn't and play then, that role. See, that's what I believe. Barcelona want a tra- a Traore to be. That's exactly Juan Bissaka. Yep, yep. But but Juan Bissaka has the I think the the tackling chops. Not saying Traore doesn't, but yeah, I think with his, uh, his Juan Bissaka is like a corner in football. He just sticks to you like glue. Oh yeah, he's he's a lockdown corner, and just when you think you have him beat, he comes out of nowhere, and you're like, where the heck did you come from? Now if his for United to pay sixty million, everyone said, oh they overpaid for Juan Bissaka. I go, watch what show no idea. Watch what Chilwell sells for. 
And they go, what are you talking about? I go, no, Chilwell's going to go for like 70, 80. He goes, you're Easy. nuts. And right now, I'm not looking that crazy. Easy. Easy. It could happen. Well, with Leicester, I mean, look at what they, look at how much they paid for Tielemans. And then look at how much they got for Harry Maguire. Like, bro. <laughs> Harry freaking Maguire. I mean, they got a, I mean, Harry was worth every penny from a Man United front. Like, no, oh, yeah. They, they needed, they that. needed, they needed, that, needed that, that security in the middle. He's good. He's the Zidane Ochara. He's the steady. He's the steady piece. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy ah. that's going to change the culture. He's the troll. Great he's comparison. The Great comparison. He's because the at cat. the end of the day, right? And Bergeron and Patrice Bergeron still did his thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Shout out to Patrice we'll Bergeron, to by the way. So, but, but hold on, backtrack a little bit. United yeah. willing to invest three hundred and forty million in the future. We've only covered one hundred and twenty with Jaden Sancho. Uh, now that number 340 million irked mm-hmm. me to see it. And we've talked about this offline about my frustration with well, the loan. That's a 200 million of that is a loan, right? Something like that. I, I, I just, I'm frustrated with Ed Woodward. Okay. Well, they may not spend it all. I mean, I think here's, I, this is what I think the, this is what I think between all the spend. Cause it looks like from the German side of it, Sancho is yeah. really the only player that United's looking for in Germany, which I think is full of crap because the German league has a lot of freaking talent right now. So United's got to want more than just that. I also think United like, I, I, I think with United, they're better set up than people realize. I don't think United – I think they see that $340 million number, and they don't realize that that number may be from the money that they didn't spend the last couple of years on guys because they wanted, to, they wanted to change direction. That's so true. perhaps like all the years they missed out on getting guys like Salah or Mane or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to name guys that Liverpool got over other teams, but like – well, what Chelsea got with Werner, but like they don't need Timo Werner. Like Man United fans are not mad over that. Wait, time out, time out, time out. Is the Timo Werner deal done though? No, I mean the Upamecano deal to Munich apparently is only that it's... Munich paid the buyout clause and that's it. Right, and they're negotiating the final the final transfer. And apparently, Chelsea is negotiating a swap, which means I wonder if Ampadu is going to be there permanently. That could be a snag for Chelsea. Wow. That would be like Abraham somewhere when he hears this is going to go, Oh, oh I'm dancing. loving what Brian's saying right now, dude. <laughs> Chelsea, right now, that that is probably the that their youth system is going to be their best friend. That is a comeback because everyone, let's let's be honest, everyone was freaking out for them because listen, no transfer is happening. They had to call in all the reinforcements from they all still the have loaned out in the bank. Yes. And then they had the academy boys that they brought up and they kind of they held their own and then the transfer ban got reduced and so Mm -hmm. now we find chelsea in this position to where you still got the 150 million like you said that they were sitting on and there's a real possibility that they can get a timo Werner. and what are the other reports saying i mean yeah zx's a done deal um and then possibly kai havertz for 75 they might need to go more than that because I guarantee you United's going to be in on him too. Well, yeah, United's in the Kai Havertz sweepstake. sweepstakes. Anyway, I mean, especially a Pogba still is fickle, right? I mean, we know Pogba probably changes his emotions by the minute here. So he does. Like, he's, he's a little bit of a diva, even though he came out and but said... But then again, if you're Paul Pogba, you have a chance to go to Juventus. Like, if you can leverage yourself a deal there, I mean, United might be better suited to do a swap with Juventus. I, I think Havertz. But I don't I know if Havertz is a seven. Like I said last week, I don't know no, if he's Havertz not. is a seven. He's not. We, we've established this. He doesn't play defense to be a seven. 
But I think with with a Pogba, I say just ride it out to the end of the season. I mean, he's claiming, even though he, like you said, he flips emotions like the wind, depends on how the wind's blowing. He said he'd want to play next to a Bruno Fernandez and just see what that looks like. That's fun. I would have loved to have seen Lukaku with those guys. Oh, don't do that to me, Brian. Don't do that, Brian. No, it's just United makes no freaking... It's like when the Celtics traded Joe Johnson, and then they ended up getting... um, and then, you know, three years later, they end up getting Paul Pierce and Antoine, you know, actually not Antoine Walker. They got somebody else, another big who was solid. I forget his name. And then Eric Williams got healthy. And I'm like, wow, it would have been nice to have him now, wouldn't it? Imagine yeah. that. And Antoine Walker was going bananas. But, but yeah. I, 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 this points back again, once again, to the man I call Witless Woodward. Like he's, mm-hmm. as, as I've watched him since Alex Ferguson you know, retired, there has been no rhyme or reason to what he does. He just goes out and just tries to get names, but there's been no rhyme or reason to strategy. And that's because, I mean, he's, he hasn't played the game. He's just a, a businessman. He's a, I mean, a banker, he's a banker. So he has no real concept of how to build and doesn't put guys in permission. And I'm sorry, doesn't allow managers the freedom to help build their strategy. So what we're seeing with, and, and people, like you said, um, are writing off United as being worse than they actually are. United's really not in a bad space. And people are uh, are looking at the squad and, and pointing the finger at, at Ole, not realizing that Ole kind of has his hands tied. Like, he's doing right. the best he can. But but why do you want a Max Allegri to manage Man United? Dude. I mean, I, love, I, I have a lot of respect for Allegri. Okay. But why do you want a team that has that much exuberant energy that's like another Mourinho. I mean, that's I'm not exactly going to compare him to that. But that's exactly it's what not would as be bad, but it's up there. Mm-hmm. It'd be right up there. I I, I say let Oli. I've been telling people give Oli at least another season to kind of work through. At this point, I think with the this the this lineup that they have, this team that they have, and if you bring in a Sancho and possibly get rid of a Pogba because Pogba. Not saying he's a cancer, but his whole. So you don't need Pogba for set pieces because Bruno eventually is going to slide into that number seven role eventually. Right. He's already been playing deep midfielder anyway at Sporting for the last three years. So this isn't like the same Bruno Fernandez that people saw, like, you know, maybe his early days of Sporting where he was scoring 10 goals a year and Mm -hmm. maybe three of them off penalties or so. But like, he's not shooting reckless shots anymore. He's playing actual midfield. Like, he's going to play deep seven. Right. I mean, Man United's using him as a 10 right now because they still have Pogba and McTominay and but Mata and all those other guys. But event, unless they get Donny Van de Beek on a permanent basis, I think Van de Beek would be better. One. That's that would be a better one. deal. Yeah, it's a potential, another potential move. I would like that better than um, – I would actually like that a lot better. Van de Beek behind, with, with McTominay. So so potentially you could have a – let's see. A, uh, I'm going to put you on the, the one back line. Either. If we if we work from the back line, you could have a a Maguire, a Bailly, and a Lindelof potentially on the back of the back three, and then playing a little bit advanced ahead of them is uh, Williams on the left, a uh, Juan Bissaka on the right, and then in that you know that middle you could have a McTominay playing a little bit deep lying, and right. then a uh, what a Fernandez and possibly a Vanderbeek. Let's just say for fun, just for, for yeah. crap and giggles. I mean, if any situation Pogba's not there, that's definitely going to have to be something. Right, if Pogba's not there. Or you can play a a Fernandez and a McTominay and then maybe playing just a little bit advanced um, 
like a Sancho, and then up top a Rashford and a a Martial potentially. Like yeah, I mean, if you wanted to go more of a conventional four-four-two, I mean, yeah. Bruno's good enough to be. I think Bruno can play like a. I think he can handle himself in the midfield, like every like physicality wise. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, he can, and and from if and this if, dude dropped thirty-five goals last year in the Portuguese league when. You don't know how dirty some of these dudes are in the Portuguese league. Let me tell you. Talk these slide me. tackles are vicious. <laughs> no, like, you would you see cards thrown everywhere at some of these games. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so if, if we're looking at that potential lineup there, I'm still trying to see, like, Woodward, why are you it, – it, why is it – I mean, this is the, the PSG in the Champions League, what, 16 months ago? Yeah. You're telling me Man United can't be that far away. That and that's it. That's it. That's it the only thing, the only thing that could sabotage it is Woodward. Is Woodward being Woodward? And so we we hear of some stupid deal. You know, I mean, De Gea resigning was kind of not necessary. Like I kind of felt that was kind of a stupid move. To me, I would have already made the move to be going to Dean Henderson. Yeah, and not and saying considering that. Considering how fast Sheffield moved up too. I mean, like that's not what. What are you not paying attention to? What's going on here? Right. And, and hear us, people. Hear us. We're not saying that David De Gea is like some trash keeper. but it's, No, it's, it's, you could have turned that into like a $60 million. Like if Kepa went for 70, you could have gotten 75 or 80 for freaking De Gea. And that could have been like used for other resources. Right. It's it's kind of not 100% equivalent. And you might argue this with me, but it's almost kind of like the Patriot way. Like you, you dump guys, not necessarily, they're not trash. They're not done. I mean, but, they pushed David Beckham out. And yeah, it, I I wasn't mad at that because I wasn't I, I I was never. I mean, it turned out the guy that came after him was not too bad. I mean, no he wasn't bad. shabby. Cristiano Ronaldo's, you know, he's aight. Hmm. He's he's aight. Well, that's Roy might agree with us, but might disagree with us. I mean, but like, I mean, yeah. he was living off of Beck's crosses. Yeah, plus they were friends off the field too. Yeah, I mean, you're supporting your boy. I get that. And I mean, Rudd is. Rudd is that guy. He's uh, once yeah. again people people forget those Dutch teams were gonna have to put in focus a whole episode on that whole era of Dutch soccer. That that is an era that does not get the credit that it deserves. No. Wow. Let, let's let, let's stay in, in in the Premier League just for a second though, because we we mentioned them a little bit ago. Chelsea. So. Chelsea's future. Let, let's consider this because since we're playing, I, this episode could also be called the Crystal Ball, right? Um, so Chelsea, their future with Hudson Adoy and Mason Mount, the young guns who come up through the academy. What's their future with? We already know Ziek is is a done deal, but the potential of a Werner coming. What's the future look like with guys like Hudson Adoy and Mason Mount? Because they've 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 grown up right before us, before our very eyes yeah. season. I mean, Hudson Odoi having that injury in Milan last year was a huge setback. I feel like he never really got himself back. Um, never mind the fact that he still doesn't, he's not open about what his experience was in Italy. So mm. I'm almost very nervous about that for him because yeah. keep in mind how open Tamari was <laughs> or Bakayoko was. And, yep. and then obviously look at ball, like it's, I'm a little worried. And keep in mind, Moise Keane as well hasn't been too open about things either. So I'm a little worried about that for him on a personal level. Yeah. Um, but just from a whole point with Chelsea, like Ziak doesn't hurt them necessarily because Ziak hurts Mount because I mean, let's face it, Mason Mount's not that good. But like, you have Pulisic, 
I kind of like the idea of a Polisic, Abraham, Ziek, and whatever they want to put on that left side. Oh, like, okay. yeah. I mean, you can put Hudson Adoy on the left side, but what has he done? That's true. Like, what has he done when he plays? It's like it almost seems like he dribbles, 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 and then you know shoots it over the bar, or he you know gets into a goal kick, or he loses the ball in a dribble, and then you know, or he gets a pass. But then, like, that pass, like, misses a guy because he, like, it, it, it's just, I don't know. He's out of whack right now. He's out of whack in that final third. I mean, then when Loftus-Cheek came back, it was even weirder because, you know, you saw how well those guys played, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's there everyone's off. I mean, it's to a point where Billy Gilmore now is a little bit, like, in, in the two games he played for Chelsea before the break, he looked a little better than Callum in both games. This is true. And Hudson-Odoi... He was the I well Mason Mount actually Mason Mount was like if I were Leipzig like if I were RB Leipzig right now I would yeah. be saying hey Werner for fifty five mil and Hudson Odoi I think that's fair yeah I think I mean, that's fair. that now takes twenty million off the price tag right right especially in this climate especially in this this economic climate with everything we're coming out of and then um, maybe so Amperdu too I mean Amperdu might be a separate deal for Leipzig. You know that's not it. That's that's not bad. Bad wheeling and dealing right there. Not yeah. at all. But I mean, for Chelsea, like if they get Kai Havertz, then that pretty much puts ha uh, Ziak on the left side. So the potential, potentially in this window, in this summer window, they could get. We already know they're getting Ziak. They could also get a, ha a Havertz and a and and warm up runner. Oh, and 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 Joel. So Joel fills that left back spot that has Bill Aquetta now becomes like a utility kind of a Danny Alves utility bench guy. I can see that. That so, makes Bill Aquetta really scary though, because that dude in the 70th minute, the way he, that dude doesn't even tire when he plays 90 minutes. He, now you're gonna put that dude as a sub. That's unfair. Super sub. He's a super. Exactly. He's the definition of a super sub at that point. Exactly. That's, that's, that, that, that's unfair. They're going to win a Champions League again. Like Chelsea should be like favorites going into the next two years. Selling Hazard at the perfect time was exactly what they needed. And they didn't waste that money. I'm mm -hmm. looking at you, Barcelona, wasting funds. The I mean, Chelsea could go buy Neymar right now if they really wanted to. They could just just I mean, they could go get Gareth Bale on loan if they really wanted to. Just to prove a point. Yeah, they could. And they probably, I mean, I think Bale actually would be a better get than, here's the way I think Chelsea should go in a reasonable transfer. Whoa, role. whoa, whoa, pause. Oh, hold on. Yes. Bale could be the guy out on the left side. So Right. That's what that I think. I think Bale would be scary. better on the left side with these that guys. That's scary. That's scary. I mean, think about it. Abraham in the middle getting all those crosses. AKA Drogba 2.0. Pretty much. And then you have, even if you have the young guys, I mean, Bale had no problem playing with the young guys from Madrid before. He's not going to have a problem playing with the young guys at Chelsea now. Plus, I think he might, who wouldn't mind coming back to England as long as Chelsea pays the wage, which, I mean, hey, Chelsea can afford it. That's a very scary attacking line. I would rather do that than go pay $80 million for Kai Havertz if I were I Chelsea. Agree. I agree. The thing is, if, unless you sell Mason Mount, I say so. Is not going to want to play in Germany, though? Like, that, that's not. the thing you want to get. A, it's not going to happen. He, Plus, I want to see how Reese James turns out. That Okay, that's, that's the, the biggest thing to me. I think Reese James could be the best of all those midfield prospects that Chelsea has. I think he is. I think that's the one with the highest ceiling, the highest. I mean, Gilmore is a different story because I don't know what Gilmore exactly is. Gilmore could be like just some like Scottish midget version of Bruno Fernandez, which is what I'm really hoping for. That would be really fun. 
midget version of. I mean, he's five eight. So actually, he might Bruno. be shorter than that. Call him Mini Bruno. Yo, Bruno yeah. bite. Call him a Bruno bite. I mean, bite. he got that. He got that nice little uh, chop. Cr- he got that nice little lob cross that he does. Nice stuff. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Reese James. That's that's. that's oh, what about Marcus Taram? I think that's even a better move than getting Marcus uh, Taram. He's someone I'd like to see in England. I'd, I'd yeah, like I think him. I think another year in Germany would be good for him right now. But I mean, yeah. that's someone to look for too. I don't think Chelsea needs to go get Kai Havertz. I think the one team in England that should go get Kai Havertz though is Manchester City if they're allowed to go make a transfer. Because if this band putting Kai Havertz with Kevin De Bruyne would be like some interesting. I'm about to log off this right now. Stop talking. Well, I'm just saying. You. I'm just that's saying because Rodri, they already have the defensive midfielder in Rodri. So I mean, that kind of completes them. Nice. But I'll tell you what though. If you're going to talk about player swaps, I mean, Man City can offer a plethora. Oh, yeah. This is the team that sold Fabian Dell for $13 million just because they could. They yeah, could have gotten more for Fabian, but they did. I mean, let, let's let's think about this for a second. So let's just say, just for, just for argument's sake, okay, right. that transfer bank gets lifted. So, I mean, player swaps left and right because we know mm-hmm. it's, it's going to happen. I mean, Aguero leaves either either way for Man City. Aguero's so. gone. No, that's that's already been certified. That I mean, Aguero Gabriel Jesus then stays, so that's actually good for both sides. I I, I think it's Jesus that I heard is also no, it's not Jesus. Who else? Well, Sane and I think Sterling. Well, if, if the ban holds, Sterling's a goner too. There's no way. Yeah. He he's so let's, he, let's say yeah. if if the ban holds, they're walking. But I think at this point. Oh, microphone drop. I think at this yeah. point, when I went... What about going to Chelsea in that scenario? Ooh. See, Chelsea right now, Chelsea has all of a sudden become like the hot destination spot. They've become that team yeah. uh, overnight. And, and whoever joins that team is joining a young squad that has... They have they they have the not just the potential, but I think they have the wherewithal to actually make some real noise. You just throw a, a veteran, either striker or attacking player in that mix, and they're sewn up, buttoned up, ready to go. And we're looking at instantly even with Kepa, even with Kepa, that's a Champions League quarterfinal at worst team. This is we're looking at potentially the Chelsea revival. Right. I mean, right now they're Champions League round of eight at worst, even with Kepa playing like. 60% of his maybe true ability. Yeah. Anyway, he's over 25. So, like, goalies peak a little later. This is why I think Kepa, even if they sell Kepa for $40 million and take a $30 million loss, which would be brutal. But yeah. I, that couldn't be me. That's like, you know, that's a Dame Dash Rockefeller type loss right there for Chelsea. I'm not Dame. <laughs> oh, no. But he's going to have to take that L, though. I mean, that's for sure. And Chelsea's got to take this L, too, because, I mean, $30 million loss on a goalie that you made the world record spending at the position. Dude, what and you for what? For Like, that, that move, when that move happened, I thought, yeah, Chelsea, like Chelsea officially in the crapper. Like, they're officially yeah. in the crapper. I mean, there were better options. Like, you could have gotten Iga Casillas on a one-year deal at that point, remember? Because he went right to Porto. That's true, yeah. My Porto won the Portuguese league by 10 points that year. And e and e care still had like nineteen clean sheets or something crazy like that. That's, like that's he could have played in the Premier League level. I mean, he could have been like, is he better than Rui Patricio is right now for Wolves? Because he is at that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I he is. Rui so, still stinks in set pieces. It pisses me off. But so we're looking at 
like I'm really tripping. Even Traore, even Traore is a better option than Havertz. Like they don't need any more like midfielders. Like Chelsea's so loaded at the number ten, number seven, and number eight role. They don't need any more guys. S- side note: Real Madrid yeah. is looking at Traore. Like the- see, I like the see. I'm with Felipe. I believe in the Brazilian kids. See, I Rodrigo has given me no reason. See, I, I think Rodrigo's going to become a number nine. So, Rodrigo, um, Vinicius Jr., and who else? Vinicius is going to play out left. And Re- Ranieri. And is going to play in the middle. Though I believe in oh, the they could be the right winger. I think Rodrigo's going to end up being, like, a number 10. Like, he's going to be end up being a number 9 or a number 10. Like, one or the other. Like, he's too good. He's way too talented. Like, he's, he's a centerpiece type of player. Yeah, I can see that. That 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 right there is the future of of Brazil attacking football. Right there in those yeah, three. I, mean, I, don't I, Jesus, that group. I think Gabriel Jesus ends up being the striker for the national team. But I mean, on a club level, like Madrid might be able to do something with Rodrigo. Like this guy could be a twenty goal a year type of dude. Like a twenty, I don't know, twenty ten kind of guy, maybe. Possibly. I think he has he has the the metal and the chops for it. I don't see why you go after a Traore, uh, even though he's, I mean. If I were Madrid, what I would be doing, I mean, well, actually, what I would be doing is nothing. Like, you're already loaded everywhere. Like, yep. just keep an eye on the guys you own. Actually, what I would do is sell Odegaard. Cash in on Odegaard now. Uh, That's the only thing they have to do this offseason. Everything else they can kind of just, if they want to sell Hakimi big money, go for it. I mean, other than that, that's it. You might as well ship off Hakimi. Let him do what he's going to do. In, uh, I mean, because if you like Mendy on the left and Hakimi on the right, then Varane and, I mean, you have one more year, Ramos, and then, I mean, center back fixes itself because Militao steps there. Mm-hmm. Unless you want Militao at right back, and then you just maybe beg Laporte to leave Manchester City. I mean, beg him or he Varane, we got robbed. He you know walks. That? Us as a yeah. society, we got robbed on the international level of seeing Varane and Laporte play together. Dude. Ah. We got robbed every time. Laporte wasn't healthy in 2018. Ferran wasn't healthy in 2016. What the hell? Irritates me. That French team. Let's let's just we're just gonna branch off just for a quick second. Oh yeah. What? Where is the hole in France's team? National team. I mean, that's just the under 25s that got posted on the group. That's true. Way. Yeah, in that group. But that I mean, doesn't add. Yeah, that doesn't even add like Griezmann or um, like even like Stephen Mandanda, for example, as a number yeah. two goalie. Like Mandanda's been playing at Marseille for how long now? <laughs> God. Like they, they, I mean, like, there's no goals. Yeah, there is. I mean, there maybe a few. I mean, when 2016 having Umtiti start at center back at the age of 22 was a disaster. Like that yeah. dude single handedly lost you the European Cup final. This is true. Like that pass that led to that counter attack that led to that Adair goal. That I was I screw my I thought I was gonna scratch myself bald watching him make that pass. I mean, Adair played for Port to Manesse. I'm definitely not saying that right. He played for Port to Manesse. Weird. Okay. Yeah. But like, let me tell you, man, that was probably the first goal that dude scored for Portugal in probably like five years, and that dude will never buy another sog for the rest of his life. Oh, so basically, like like Marcos Rojo when he scored that goal against Nigeria. In the uh, in the group stage, yeah, but that was a BS. That was a lucky goal. Adair's goal was just a pure, beautiful strike. Yeah, I mean, Adair's also a striker too, so he he, yeah. he knows how to put goals in the net. He, he has no choice but to eventually get one. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Right, right. I mean, think about this: Danny Rose, his first career game for Tottenham, he scores his first career goal. He never scored another goal for Tottenham until this year. I remember that 
I remember watching that game and thinking, because at one point, Danny Rose was on uh, Manchester United's radar. I think it was last season. And even back in 2013, originally, too, because I remember <laughs> that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so that France. Was the, France that was before the second Valencia knee injury before they move Valencia back to defense, I think. That's true. So, so France has not many holes, we can say that. At, a, no. at, at that team, at the national team level, not they're like thirty-two deep, that's, and that's, that's well classed out. <laughs> With thirty-two deep, mostly like AP level, foreign, level. mostly foreign. Even if you take there, even if you take the four, even if you take like the the the, the dual citizens out, they're still yeah. Nah. Like all right, if you take Portugal's dual citizenships out, right? Okay, they're above average. Yeah. Now, even if you all right, now if you take the Azores and Madeira out, they're screwed. But if you leave just Madeira and the Azores on the mainland, they're an above-average team. Yeah. Now you add Cape Verde and everything else; they're a really good team. Spain, I mean, if Spain gets Antufati, that's 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 not even like it's not fair. I mean, Antufati actually could declare Portuguese too, because actually he's from. I Guinea. saw that. Yeah, he has all. Yeah, that and that could work out. And apparently, that a lot of the young Portuguese players actually do get along. Okay. But I guess the Portuguese national team, they're starting to change. The, the, well, then again, you know, it, it's it, the, the whole racism argument, it, it's a tough one, right? Mm-hmm. You saw it because it's the yeah. world's game. But then you have Taylor Twelman saying, yeah, it's the most racist game. But, like, you look at what Portugal's done now. Granted, you know, Portugal's history is not a good one. Right. Uh, I'm going to just put it lightly. You know, you know. We already know. Yeah. But, you know, as as a national team, I, I, I can honestly say, you know, I'm very proud of the national team. You know, just the, the way those guys get along. Now, Bernardo Silva, you know, that, that dude's going to have to answer some questions as well as many of the Porto fans. Right. Because Porto has been one of the fan bases in Portugal that have been noted in Europe for their behavior. Mm. Um, and even Benfica hasn't been, you know, left out either. And obviously Sporting had their walkout a couple of years ago where fans attacked the players. Right. So, you know, that can't be – and Bruno Fernandes obviously, you know, was very open about how he felt about that. Yeah. So all that in mind, when you look at the national team, though, they all support each other. And you can watch the way they play, too. You see it. So what – as we're rounding home on this episode – Like, I'm kind of mad that the Euro is not happening. with Like, if the Euro was happening with all this going on, I think, like – it would mean a lot more to those players, maybe, to like maybe stand with the everything else because everything going on. And, and that's and I think that's where I kind of wanted to round home on this. Especially country. for countries like Portugal and Italy and and France that have such a dual nationality, and those countries have like completely one eighty'd their seated, deep seated. Yeah, Hate. I mean those three countries particularly. That's where yeah. most it all started so like and add the netherlands to that well the netherlands is a whole different perspective too because yeah that's another one too all those dudes seem to get along when they play together you can yep. tell yep all the guys from Suriname and, like, and yeah yeah like it's it they 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 bring those guys in they develop them i mean mm-hmm. even like you talk about the french academy like those they raise those kids but it's not so what what it comes down to and i think what a lot of people don't realize is it's not the even as we're watching these restarts of these leagues and we're seeing for example in germany you know teams wearing black lives matter shirts uh came out this week that uh as the uh the premiership starts back up again that 
on the sponsor uh the sponsor part on the kits it's not going to have uh the the team name it's going to have black lives matter it's not necessarily the teams that are the problem although the teams could do a better job of standing up for uh players who are suffering this abuse it's the fans like the fans are the ones who are perpetrating all of this the fans are the ones throwing bananas at black players and monkey chants and saying things and uh, foul things in their languages it's the fans and so at what point every country has an example of this every single just four years ago all right if you guys want to look this up sporting ct walkout the entire team the entire staff they walked out because they weren't getting pay raises and the team wasn't investing. Now, keep in mind, guys like William Cavallo were on that team. Rui Patricio, who yeah. had been there at the age of 15, walked wow. out. Wow. Just think of that. Now, those two guys were part of Portugal's 2016 European Championship team right. that happened three months later. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's over. That's over funds, though. That's over money. Like, we're yeah, but there was. It became a racial thing because a lot of the Brazilian South American players were targeted. Right, right. So that was bad for them. So, so that like on that level. Now let's take it up a notch, and we're looking at, uh, you know, big bigger teams like a, a Juventus, for example, in in Syria. Um, this mm-hmm. week, Paulo Dybala comes out and says that players should walk off the field if any sort of racial abuse continues. Um, like, are we? Do you really believe that in this time, Brian, that we're actually seeing like a turn of the tide? in uh in the soccer world that the soccer world is going to follow suit like the rest of the world and really giving taking a hard look at racist behavior within uh systems in its own ways i mean in germany we're seeing it done in a very very like visual way right yeah, yeah. and i think with, with the premier league it's always going to be done vocally and emotionally with the premier league because it right. always is done that way i mean right British media, they love everything, so they'll they'll talk about it to re- relentless no end. They'll make sure the player, every player, has an opinion on it. You know, um, you know, France obviously with the league not playing, I know for sure a lot of those French players would definitely part. France is a whole different league, though. Like I think sure. France, you would sure. see like France would be like how Germany is a very visual everything right. else. Like there's a lot you're going to see because obviously look at France. A lot of the African players go through France, right, because of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. Something we talked about in previous episodes. Spain and Italy are going to be interesting. I, I mean, Portugal so far it hasn't been any crazy reaction one way or the other. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of the clubs, a lot of the fans are, uh, you know, are supporting the gear, it seems like, in Portugal. But then again, none of the major teams have played major games yet. Right. So, I mean, Portugal's schedule is kind of soft until, like, early July when uh, Sporting and Benfica play, I think, in, like, July 2nd. So that's going to be the first big game, really. Everyone else is playing mid-table teams. Right. So... I think Italy is going to be the true uh, litmus test. Even Spain, too. I mean, Spain, there's already been talks about uh, re-putting up of old Franco-era statues. Whoa. That's been put on ballots in Spain in recent years. So that's why I worry a little bit with Spain, because the nationalist movement has started to pick up a little bit over there. As it is across the world. And that was 2018, right after the Catalonia ballot, which is probably a knee-jerk reaction to that. I mean, just like we're seeing here. Yeah, just like we're seeing here, just like happened in, what was that, Greece, um, happened in Australia. It's happening all around the world. I mean, Austria. Austria basically has like a isolationist Mm -hmm. as a prime minister, which, I mean, it's in that, but that's, you know, these nationalistic uh, ideologies are, are picking up steam. Again, right, and that always stems over. And historically, look at what Spain's done. I mean, Spain nationalism and soccer in Spain is like part of its history, right? 
Look right. at the two major clubs. I mean, and and one of those clubs. Like, yeah. I'm concerned for Bill Bow. I mean, every player on Bill Bow is is an ethnic minority in Spain. The the, I think if there's ever a time where politics, you and I talk a lot about politics offline, off offline of this podcast. But if there's ever a time where politics and the political climate and the social climate of the world is really about to show itself in soccer, and soccer is really going to be a and wait till the MLS opens up too. Yeah, it's going to be a litmus. The game of soccer is going to be a litmus test for the rest of the world because as much as as much movement as we've seen, positive movement as we've seen in the world in terms of you know. Uh, equality, racial equality over the past, let's just say three weeks or so, the game of soccer has not had its major test until we see leagues like La Liga restart again and Serie A restart. I think. I mean, we need fans back in the stands too for this. I mean, the reaction right. by the fans on social media is one thing, right. but we need the fans back in the stands for this. Right. We Which don't is, need by the way, I mean, Sevilla and Real Betis, right? I mean, these are two fan bases that usually always butt heads. Right. They go head to head all the time. You know, like imagine how that game could have went with all this. Ugh. Right. I mean, that's that's a little something there, but I also worry about the media in these countries too, because remember, I mean, I know people tend to think like a certain way, but like. You know, people get stuck into those talking points in the in the in the in the media abyss, and all of a sudden, you know, they start thinking things aren't the same. For example, yep. Wow. So I, that's that's another thing we worry about too. I, I am for sure, for sure, going to keep my eyes peeled to see. I'm telling you, I'm going to be glued to the screen. But then another thing with Chelsea too, talking about Chelsea, actually, yeah. Golo Conte could be leaving Chelsea too. That's yes, yes. <sighs> So much movement on the way. And like I said, I got my countdown, counting down the days and hours and minutes until the restart of the EPL on the 17th and Syria. Um, All, I think all talk of racial equality aside, which is of course important. I mean, you've seen that value chart, that uh, that, like highest market value chart, like in Bob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, first of all, where do they even come up with these numbers, first of all? And second of all, why is Neymar, is Neymar dead? Like, what, the Neymar just, like, die? He, it, that's what it seems like. I, I feel like, I feel like the, it, unless Neymar's going to Barcelona, it's like Neymar's just a dead. If he's not going to Barcelona, then he's dead. I mean, I get, okay, Raheem Sterling's better than him right now. Okay, I'm not going to argue that. But, like... You're telling me that like Neymar is not worth. You're telling me that Leroy Sané is worth more in the open market than Neymar. That's a little ridiculous. Because I think they had Sané like 104 million or something. I, here's here's what I see. Which is fine. Which is fine. A healthy Sané could be worth 100 million. I feel just on potential. I feel like people are making these ridiculous valuation charts just to give us something to talk about during this quarantine. Until I mean, maybe. Back to normal. When you look at some of these rumors over the past couple of years for some of these numbers for these players, and all of a sudden you start seeing it's realistic. I mean, Ronaldo went for $100 million twice in a decade. But he was worth it. Let's be honest. Okay. He was worth it. He was, he was but that's what makes other teams spend that money for other players. That that's they true. Think is- it's, 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 it's like, you know, the... Uh, you know the the quarterback uh you know market in 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 the nfl 
Okay, Green Bay pays Aaron Rodgers forty five million. It works. Guess what? You know, play, player B is going to get signed for forty five mm-hmm. million. Mm-hmm. And the market will keep resetting. So, yeah, I mean, and again, like if Chelsea if Chelsea sells in Conte, right? What do they get for Conte and Jorginho? Like Chelsea's sitting on a landmine. This is the problem. Like that we can't even we don't even know how to that. Like Chelsea needs its whole episode. We they this this episode we were gonna title this episode "May the Woodward Be With You," but we yeah. are not gonna honor Ed Woodward with such an honor. We were gonna we're gonna retitle this the Chelsea revival because that's really yeah. what this is. This is the Chelsea revival that we're watching, and guess what? We don't need to see Robin Abramovich's greasy fingers in the middle of all of it. Even I, if he sells the team, I mean, what if well, I don't know who would even see? I think. What if Newcastle's takeover gets hijacked by Abramovich selling Chelsea? That would wouldn't that be so freaking wild. funny? Oh, that'd be. I feel bad for Newcastle fans. Wait, isn't like, Abramovich no. banned from coming into? Uh, he actually his visa got like stripped or something. Yeah, so he, that got stripped. But here's the here's the part about about all of this that kind of makes my heart happy is I'm happy for Frank Lampard. Like if this, as much as it pains me to say it, just as a, but as a fan of the sport. I mean, he's got Jody as his boss, his good friend. Like, Bro, like to see to see this happen, to see a possible Chelsea revival and Frank Lampard be at the helm, like that would bless my heart so much. And then to see, I mean, I would the quality of football in the Premiership, like the race for the top four, would be even tighter as we've it would be as tight as we've seen in recent history You're i mean never at- mind the fact that like all right even if wolves which i mean we'll have to dive into some of these mid-table teams like right uh, at some point but like yep. Wolves, even if they lose treore jimenez obviously with that they'll probably lose nevis and the same if they lose all three in the same offseason that'd be so bad though oh my god that that's a terrible. nightmare that's a nightmare even jota too i mean jota will go if they even if they lose all four they get like 160 to 200 million for that you're not going to believe wolves is going to have like enough to poach talent around like no no as as brilliant as nuno is i don't see teams as wanting to come there so we're looking at a potential top four race that could be really tight between both you not both Manchester teams, a Liverpool and uh, a Chelsea, right? And then if Arsenal wants to wake up and join the party, they can join. Depending on how much they get when they uh, they sell off uh, Bamiyang and Lacazette, or Swap. yeah, like Conky has literally just neglected them. It's almost it's almost crazy. It's official, Brian. Let's stamp it. The Chelsea revival. It's on its way. And Abraham. I just did you a solid, so don't 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 rub this in my face. Okay? <laughs> I just did you a solid. Well, folks, that concludes another episode of the Reformed Hooligans podcast. Share, like, subscribe, all the things. Leave a review if you're if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review um, and go ahead and follow SSAW Family on Instagram. We have, I think, we just released our seventh podcast on the brand the ringside mayhem podcast so we have podcasts that span pretty much any sport you want to talk about all the majors so we look forward to hearing your thoughts um on all the things so guys stay tuned next episode i know we got something cooking something wild what i think what are we talking about we're doing uh was the best best all-time teams is that what we were talking about brian we could definitely do that. Uh, we'll definitely. Ha- I mean, one thing we could definitely look at is that Dutch Golden Age. That's what it was. The Dutch Golden that Age. Might be a- there you go. No, that was that was the one. It was the Dutch Golden yeah. Age. Thank you. It slipped my mind. So the Dutch Golden Age. 
So stay tuned. Uh, I think in this space that we're in now, it's great to revisit the past so we can appreciate what's coming here. So stay tuned. It's your host, Osahan, here with one of the suspects, Brian, friends, hooligan familia. Until next time, signing out.